You're listening to the Define Normal podcast, and I'm your host, Shelby Jones. Today's episode features my college roommate and best friend, Natalie Lynch, and her boyfriend, Stu Nelson. Natalie and Stu have an amazing story. They met on Bumble a little over two years ago and are currently in a long-distance relationship where they haven't seen each other for a year. Natalie is currently based in Columbus, Ohio with her parents due to COVID, and Stu currently lives in a small town in Australia. During our time together, we get into their first date, meeting on Bumble, maintaining a long-distance relationship, and not seeing each other for a whole calendar year. Let's get into it. Welcome to episode four of the Define Normal podcast. Today, I have two of my close friends, Stu and Natalie. They're on to talk about long-distance relationships and meeting on Bumble. Stu and Natalie, can you introduce yourselves? Yeah, sure. Um, So my name's Stuart. I'm 25. I'm a design project manager. I've been dating Natalie now for just over two and a half years, and I've known Shelby for about two years. Uh, Oh, yeah, and I live in Australia, right? I forgot this is an American (laughs) podcast. Yeah, I live uh, currently in a small country town in Australia, but um, previously was living in Sydney. I didn't know we were throwing ages around in here, but I think we went throw ages around. Jeez. Um, I'm older than Stu. I rock the cradle slightly. I am 27 years old, born and raised in Ohio. Um, I have known Shelby for going on 10 years now. Um, after college, moved to New York, and I now do product development in the city for the past five years now. So I kind of already spoiled the story, but. As I said in the intro, you two met on Bumble. Tell us a little more about that. When did you meet on Bumble? <laughs> the the way it went down was I was dating someone else previously before I was dating Natalie. While we were dating, we booked a trip to New York um, because I wanted to go there and explore work opportunities and that sort of thing. And then uh, we booked a trip together and then unfortunately we broke up. Well, fortunately now we broke up. Um, but decided to still go on the trip anyway. Obviously, we had flights booked and that sort of thing that we went on together, but then sort of separated. And so, yeah, I was just in New York, basically by myself, traveling around, um, staying in a hostel on Amsterdam, downloaded Bumble and matched with Natalie, I think, the second day I had it. Then we basically talked for almost a week while I was just sort of traveling around doing stuff and then ended up meeting up. A date. What was your first date? Our first date was probably, well, I planned it. Originally, we were going to go to a concert and then we kind of scrapped that plan. Um, I picked up Fisher's Islands and shoved them in my purse and we met at the subway station for Roosevelt Island. Um, we met right outside the little tram that takes you over and we just went over to the island and walked around. Um, sat on a park bench, drank some Roosevelt, or drank some Fisher Islands, and hung out and chatted. And then we went back to our apartment, or my apartment with Blake. First date, I was like, all right, let's go, because I had to get, I think I had to get a jacket, because Stu wanted to go to Times Square. So cliche, we went to Times Square after that, and that is where we had our first kiss and everything. Very romantic. (laughs) I think, Sue, was that your first time in Times Square? I don't know. I don't remember. Probably not. All I remember is we really wanted to go at night. So we just it was like the best walked, time. We, like, walked the full strip of Times Square and then walked back to the Midtown East Department. But Yeah, you showed me where your office was. Well, perfect first date. So after that first date, obviously you knew that Stu didn't live in America and that he was just visiting. Did you think that you were going to be in a relationship? Did you think you were going to see him again? Like, what were your thoughts coming out of that first date? So I didn't even know that Stu wasn't living in New York until we went on the first date. Um, New York is such a melting pot. On Bumble, I was like, okay, he's a civil engineer. He's from Australia. Great. Check, check, check. And then we show up on the date and he's like, oh yeah, I'm just on holiday here. And I was like, (laughs) what do you mean? So then we kind of, we like touched on the subject and then we just kind of like carried on the first date. And then after that, we talked about it again and we were like, let's just go on. Let's enjoy the time we have and cross that bridge when we come to it. 
And that's kind of all how it happened. I had no idea. I was kind of blinded by that. I was pretty sort of of the mind that, oh, like, this is great. Maybe we can, you know, like, pick it up again one day if I move back to New York. But Nat was very, let's give it a try. And then, yeah, I was, I was on board. She convinced me. When your time wrapped up in New York after your first, like, I guess you went on a few dates after that initial meeting. When you were on the plane back to Australia, what did you think? Did you think, okay, I'm convinced we're going to be in a relationship? Should we just keep in touch? Like, what were your thoughts on that plane ride home? Yeah, well, so from that initial date, that was on the 23rd of June, I was leaving on the 29th of June. And we spent, yeah, every day together. Obviously, Nat had work, so I would just go and do my touristy things during the day and then meet her at the, her office when she finished work and we'd hang out. Um, so we hang out. We had six days together. And then on our last night together, we went to a cute little wine bar called Courant in the East Village. I think it's the East Village. And then... Midtown. Sorry, Midtown East. It's all right. We're learning. I'm still learning. I'm still learning. I'm not a New Yorker yet. I'll get there. Yeah, so we basically had the chat then and said like, hey, let's let's keep in touch and give it a crack, see how it goes. And, you know, if we're still talking every day and still feel the same, then I said I'd come back and visit on the plane home. You know, I was obviously thinking about her a lot. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so came home, back to work, back to my normal routine and the next four months sort of flew by, you know, we were talking, FaceTiming every day, texting every day. Neither of us were sort of interested in other people during that time. And then it came to about September and we were just FaceTiming and I said, look, screw it. I'm going to book some flights and come back and visit you. So booked a flight for I think 4th of October. So four months later and then, yeah, came back over in October and asked her to be my girlfriend. A whim, like literally we knew each other for six days and it sounds crazy now and it sounded crazy then that we even were gonna commit to each other because I mean, we just both had that gut feeling where we were like, okay, we're gonna do this. Let's do whatever we can to make it work and yeah. here we are. I'm the skeptic of a friend. So I remember when Natalie mentioned that this was happening, like, oh, so I met a guy on Bumble and like we've been hanging out every day and then uh, he lives in Australia. Like this, she kind of like buried the lead. Like I'm going to say you weren't, <laughs> you didn't tell everyone, like you were about as forthcoming as this, with this as Stu was about actually living in Australia. Yeah. I was like, you met a guy where? <laughs> I met him on Bumble, we hung out all the time. Like I like him. Like you kind of, Natalie delayed the rollout. I mean, bring the drama at the end. I was like, okay, I got to start real slow and then I'll just hit you with it. <laughs> As you say, it sounds crazy. I mean, now that we've known, I mean, Natalie, obviously I've known you forever, but now that you guys have been in a relationship for over two years, it's like second nature. Like we all think it's the cutest story, but when it first happened, I remember us all being like, who? Like, who is this guy yeah. that she's talking to every day? Cause like, I was so used to knowing all the details of your life. And I'm like, I don't know this person. And yes. like, what's going on? Talking about like being away from each other and like FaceTiming and texting every day, how did you build a bond early in your relationship? Because Natalie hears me say this often, I talk about new relationship energy. Like when you first meet someone and you wanna spend like every day with them and you wanna bring them everywhere and you stay at their place, all that stuff. When your partner lives across the world, how do you form that bond? Like what kind of stuff did you guys talk about? Were you asking each other a bunch of questions? Like how did you, enjoy that new relationship energy being so far apart we like to call it nre nre baby i uh, feel like it was i mean we're both kind of extra in a sense of like the amount of texting and we're kind of serial texters so we're okay yes. with it um so we would just text each other constantly Stu leaves me videos when i wake up every day he has for the past two years because I'm normally asleep during the bulk of his day. And so he tells me what happened in his day, sends some cute little notes, and then I get to wake up and watch that when he's asleep, which is really nice. So yeah, that, and then, you know, we just sort of set a routine of, you know, every day on my lunch break at work, I just sort of and FaceTime Nat, which is around, you know, my lunch break is around the time that she's going to bed. So that works out nicely. 
so just yeah keeping keeping i think keeping a schedule of knowing when we're going to talk to each other just sticking to it was really easy it made it easy we're both very you know schedule oriented habit people so that made it super easy and then it's just it's i think it's just the little things that really helped us in the long run you know just like natalie sending me a picture of her outfit for the day or you know those facetimes me leaving her short little videos explaining what i did in my day obviously hasn't been so much of a help for the last year but you know planning activities to do in the future so you know planning a trip for two or three months down the line and having something to look forward to like that really helps and in terms of you know how we built the bond when you build a relationship in the fact that you know you do still have that nre where you you know you want to see and talk to the person all the time it just yeah we didn't have the luxury of doing that physically you know when we did get to spend time together it still feels brand new you know every time we do spend time together so definitely still in the honeymoon phase two and a half years later which is nice we love to see it yeah that's like so romantic oh my god like a lot of questions so either they're like Stu would leave me questions when I woke up or I would leave him questions like um what did you want to be when you were a kid when you grew up type of things like that and I felt like we really got to know each other in that sense and like dig a bit deeper than maybe a couple would who were seeing each other every single day like we had to come up with questions and ask each other that in order to learn more Mm. since we didn't have the face-to-face I love that. So you think the not having the luxury of physically being together made you actually ask each other deeper questions. And instead of that new relationship energy where you just spend a lot of time together, you were actually asking, like, get to know you, like things that you may not even know about people. I mean, I might not know about you because we just spend so much time together. It was it was unique in that way that when you start a relationship with someone, it's very sort of like physically driven and so much time just doing things not necessarily talking deeply about stuff but you know when that's really all you have then I think it does help it did help us to build that sort of deeper connection early on I think it's evident in hanging out with you two that it's not just about that like obviously you know a lot about each other and you talk constantly like even when I spend time with Natalie like there's a guaranteed moment that I'm going to catch you on FaceTime so or (laughs) on a text or somewhere like you are constantly in touch unless you're sleeping which I think is awesome. Not to an unhealthy point, though. It's healthy. Yeah, but you know, like, it's whatever, healthy is whatever you make it. Like, everyone's relationship communicate communication cadence is different, right? So, like, 100%, if yeah. you want to talk and FaceTime all the time, if you want to FaceTime twice a day, like, that's beautiful. Some people are like, yo, like, I can't do that. But I think it's awesome that you have found your rhythm because that's mm. half the battle. This is what works for us. You two are on the same page. Like Natalie said with your serial texting, like it's, it's like fun. I mean, I like to jump in when I'm around. I'm like, like Natty, yeah, our other college roommate wants to drunk FaceTime you every time we're yes. with her. So Love it. <laughs> it's kind of um, all about telling each other and being in contact of if we need less or if we need more. Cause I feel like some days like, when I was sick with COVID, I was like, okay, I need more. Like, I need you to like check in. I need like more random FaceTime calls or like if I'm having a really busy work day or just don't have the brain space, I'll be like, okay, I need a little less. Go away. <laughs> I, I love you. Or I need like a little yeah. bit. And it's great. We, yeah. And it's fine. And we like, we aren't offended by it and we just take yeah. it and roll with 100%. it. It's really mature. A lot of people are scared to have those conversations because they think it's going to be a fight. Like if you tell your significant other, like, mm. can you text me a little less? Or like, can you text me a little more? Like you don't want to seem needy or you don't want to seem like you're pushing them away. So that's also just the maturity of your relationship showing that you can say like, hey, like, please text me more. Or like, hey, I'm a busy day at work. Like, I need you to just like leave me alone. Like I think a lot of people think <laughs> that is going to be a fight. So it's like super special that you can just say that and, and call it a day. When you guys rolled out the full story to your family and friends, and full story meaning like, I met someone on Bumble, they live across the world, I really like them, we're in a relationship. What were the reactions from your friends and family? My family was, yeah, fully supportive. They were like, that's crazy, that's great. You know, immediately wanted to sort of jump on a FaceTime call with her and meet her and all that sort of stuff. So they were super supportive. My best friends were obviously supportive, but obviously also very upfront with me so they were like you're crazy but 
we support you. So <laughs> there's de that was definitely the the attitude for the first probably probably until I went back there to see her again and they saw how serious I was about it. They were kind of a bit wary, being like, "Oh, are you sure? Like, it's a long way to go, all that sort of thing." But I think once they saw how you know serious I was about it, they were yeah fully on board. And now all my friends love Nat. I mean, she's met all of my friends. She's traveled to Australia. She was there for, you know, my birthday party and a few other parties that we've had and met everyone and everyone loves her. And every time I'm on a FaceTime call with Nat, they'll sort of stick their head in and be like, hey, Nat, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, no, it's good. They're really supportive. My friends and family were the exact same way. Definitely skeptical. But then at the same time being like, you would fall in love with someone from Australia. And like, it's you would do this outlandish thing that like, just feels like so far like out of the cards and like not even possible um and then again when they all went to everyone was just like okay yeah no one even questions it anymore like everyone's like oh how are you doing how's Sue doing like what's the update on Sue like everyone talks as if he's here and like there's no sort of hesitation um and I feel like that constant support and love from our people and our like foundation of family and friends has been so beneficial towards mm. our relationship because if we had friends who were like mm, maybe not we probably wouldn't have i mean we still would have done what we have done but it might have been a little bit harder yeah. because you guys are what we have in person and like rely on while we maintain this LDR. I believe that. Um, we are like really excited about the relationship, but I remember like when we first met Stu, Nat was like, okay, come to this restaurant. Like today's the day. Yes. Oh my God. I was the Mexican so restaurant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then it was me, so Amanda, our other college roommate, and then yeah. Amanda's brother, Dan. Yeah. And we were there to ask all of the questions to assess the situation to give you your grade you passed we're a tough crowd on that dinner where i i was sitting across from amanda and she just put her elbows on the table and she's like okay Stu," and then just bang just started hammering me with the hard questions and shelby you were there next to her like oh my god like this is this is crazy <laughs> like, I know it was crazy. I didn't know whether I was going to play good cop or bad cop because I'm definitely like the most skeptical friend. Like I just am. I trust Natalie to make good decisions, but like the vibe's not right until I see the vibe is right. And so that dinner was a vibe check and you passed. I was nervous because I was like, Natalie really likes him. And like, what if I don't like him? Like that's going to be problematic because like she really likes him and he flew across the world. We were happy you passed. We're happy that like honorary little brother Dan liked you too because he had nothing but good things to say. So it's also like passing the vibe check. My own family asked about you. I mean, my, my grandma's like, oh, so like your friend Natalie, like how's she doing? What's going on with Stu? Or like, my oh. uncle asked me about you like i mean everyone who knows the story in my life by proxy is like so how are they what's going on i mean Stu's not my family <laughs> natalie brought a man to family lunch and i came alone so i was just gonna say i brought Stu to meet uncle joey at family lunch yeah. <laughs> and and it's like you just fit right in like even my aunt asked about you so it's 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 great it is really awesome to see how everyone has embraced the relationship like it's definitely a conversation even when you're away which i think is really special next i want to talk about coming to america obviously you didn't intend for this to be a long distance relationship forever so what was the conversation when it was like okay we've been flying to see each other nat's come to australia you've come to america how did you decide to move to America? What's going on with that? Like, there's just so many questions mm. I have. Yeah, it's a lot to unpack. Basically, you know, within sort of the first six months after we started dating, I mean, I already had an idea that I wanted to move to New York just because of, you know, Natalie aside, when I went there, I just, I fell in love with the city straight away. You know, it's my favorite place in the world. So I was pretty dead set on, you know, getting a transfer there with my company that I was working for. 
yeah, that that wasn't much of a, you know, there wasn't ever really a, a back and forth of, you know, should Nat move to Australia? Should I move to America? You know, it was pretty dead set from day one that I was going to move to New York just because that's what I wanted to do professionally anyway. I sort of spent the next kind of year and a half exploring and networking opportunities with my current company to move over there because um, we have an office in New York. So I, you know, went across and worked from the New York office a few times when I was visiting Nat. And then when it sort of came down to crunch time at the, you know, the beginning of last year now, they were sort of being a bit airy-fairy about giving me an opportunity. So I just said, look, all right, I'm going to start looking for opportunities elsewhere. I did a bunch of interviews with different companies. Nothing really stuck. And then, you know, just by a chance, I'm a member of a, shout out Facebook, member of a, a Facebook page called Australians in New York City. And I just kind of made a post on there saying, hey, this is my situation. This is the type of job I'm looking for. Does anyone have any leads? And basically this guy just messaged me out of the blue and he's an Aussie guy from Melbourne working in New York and said, hey, you know, I think I might have a potential opportunity for you. Let's have a call and discuss. And basically, you know, we had a call the next day and then with a week, within a week of that, I'd signed a contract um, with a, a different company to move over there on a visa, which is awesome. And then COVID happened. So COVID yeah, hit. COVID hit, which was a bit of a spanner in the works, but the company was fantastic. You know, I signed my contract, I think one or two days before they put on a hiring freeze. So the HR manager there called me and said, look, they'll honor your contract, um, which was amazing. You know, I would have been absolutely screwed if it wasn't for that. So it's been, yeah, it's been almost a year now since I signed that contract and they're still honoring it, still working on my visa process. You know, there was a bit of a, a mess around with the labor condition process that's very boring and very long that I won't get into, which has sort of pushed things out a bit further. But now, you know, we're looking like, you know, hopefully within the next two weeks, I'll be able to finally interview for a visa and then finally move in with Nat in the apartment that we've had for a year that we've not seen. <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. All the stars like literally aligned. Stu finally got his job, we signed the contract. We had just moved into the apartment or I had moved everything in the apartment like a week prior. We were like, okay, all our ducks mm -hmm. in a row. And then literally like, boom, here we go. Mm -hmm. Figure it out. Yeah, so COVID threw you guys a loop, which means you haven't seen each other in a year. And so it kind of goes back to my question I had earlier. So like you haven't seen each other in a year and you've already gone through that new relationship stage where you're asking each other questions and you're getting to know each other and you're doing visits. So like all the stuff that makes it easier. How have you been managing a year without seeing each other? Like what on earth are you doing? How are you keeping it together? Today, it's funny as we're recording this, this is our one year to the date um, that we were last together. I flew over there for, you know, 2020 New Year's in Australia, saw the fireworks over the Sydney Bridge, all of that jazz. We literally like gave a hug goodbye so quickly. Our last goodbye was so quick because we were like, it's going to be a month. It'll be fine. We'll figure it out. And then I feel like that's kind of what has just like thrown us through a loop. Like we have our ups, we have our downs. We never really have down downs, but we just have moments where we're kind of like, what's going on you know Stu had to move back home because he is out of his lease because he was supposed to be moving to New York um I also moved back home because of COVID temporarily so we're like both out of our elements I feel like we definitely had a time frame when we were like okay we need to get back in our normal cadence of like FaceTimes and questions and videos and just kind of like engaging more and having some sort of normal routine um, and I think that has definitely helped throughout the year, yeah. as well as all of the emotional support that we've been able to give each other throughout like the ups mm. and downs of our personal lives yeah. this year. We have to thank, you know, our friends and family on both sides, like, like, especially Nat's parents. Nat's parents have been incredible throughout the whole year. You know, they've supported us in a multitude of ways and they've been great. You know, my parents for, you know, having me back home and, our friends have really been great and seriously have been so supportive, like especially my mates, you know, they're always literally, you know, multiple times a week, they're texting me saying like, hey, like any visa update, you know, when are you going? That sort of thing. 
which is which is really great and I know they all really care and that's definitely been helpful as well it's just you know trying to keep things business as usual trying to focus on finding a routine and habits in COVID that's just for me personally it's impossible I can't get into a routine in COVID but Nat's you know Nat's done an incredible job you know she's been absolutely smashing at work you know getting promotions here and there big congrats so she's she's been doing amazing you know I swear that place would have fallen apart without her the how hard she works she's insane it's just been you know trying to find our normal and get back to sort of that schedule of speaking and that sort of thing that you know helped us through the first couple of years and just yet yeah, just trying to look to the future of you know when we will finally be together and just doing activities like you know planning a home office and that kind of thing just little things that keep us excited for the future I think has really helped definitely it takes a village yeah searching for apartment. it does yes. take a village so we're all yeah. like very invested in you coming to New York. I said before COVID that I would throw you a coming to America party. It still stands. It's still going to happen. What are you most excited about with moving to America besides the obvious, which is being reunited with Natalie? Yeah, definitely being reunited with Natalie is by far and away number one. I think also just, you know, seeing you and Amanda now that she's in Milwaukee and just, you know, all Nat's friends that I haven't seen in a year and a half now almost. Seeing Nat's parents getting to visit Ohio again is definitely up there. And then also looking forward to my new job. That opportunity that I got in New York is amazing. You know, it's a, it's a fantastic opportunity. So I'm really excited to get into that. Other than that, I think just because of how hard New York was hit initially, obviously I haven't been there since so I'm 100% certain of the state is now but I really think that you know New York's one of those places that gets itself up and dusts itself off pretty quick after you know bad things happen so I'm really excited to sort of be there for to be a part of when things you know the roaring 20s when they come back over the next sort of year and a bit I think it's gonna be so exciting and so much fun I'm excited for New York to come back too. I've been in Ohio camping out, so like I'm missing the I'm missing the New York energy and I can't wait to see what it looks like when we're back full tilt Natalie, we're in plenty of group chats. I talk to you every day. Um, we're always like talking about just like for our single friends, like the antics of guys and like, honestly, even the antics that ensued before you met Stu. What is different about him? How did you know when you met him that Stu is different from the other guys that you've dated and that he was like someone you'd be willing to do this with? Well, one, I was thinking about this earlier and on our first date, I can specifically remember we were waiting for the Roosevelt tram and I was sitting there with my arms crossed and like, I'm naturally a human to kind of like close off and like kind of have a wall up to the world. And I literally remember him like touching my arm and being, and then like closing his arms and being like, why are you like, why are you blocking off from me? Like, are you nervous? Like put your arms down, like shake it out, relax. And I was like, I've never had anyone pick up on body language like that so quickly and like understand who I am in like the span of five minutes to be like, okay, calm down. Like, let's figure this out. It's going to be fine. Deep breaths. We're in the same position type of thing. So I feel like, I remember I that. feel like that was kind of a big one for me. And then we just kind of like vibed. I mean, we walked around Roosevelt Island and we were like, casually having those Fisher Island drinks, which obviously are a little bit stronger than a normal drink. I was kind of like warming up and we were just talking. He was asking really good questions, like questions that guys don't normally ask on a first date. He genuinely wanted to get to know me. And then by the time our first date had ended, I was like, okay, this is completely different than anyone I've ever gone on a date with. I think like this might be it. I was like, what's going on? Like this, oh my God. It was cheesy and cliche, but a feeling for sure. You're gonna make me cry in the club. Those were like kind of how my like initial stars aligned. And then a fun fact, which I don't know if you know, you probably know, but might not remember is two months prior to me meeting Stu, I talked to a psychic. Her name was Goldie. Um, I know like, Psychics can be kind of out there. I'm personally someone who strongly believes in them, as you know. So we were just kind of talking about everything, like my health, my personal life, work, love. 
really honed in on like love and my relationship and I was like well what's going on I was like have I met this person and she's like no you're gonna meet him in two-ish months like probably sometime around June and this was like April 16th and I met Stu on June 23rd I like started to like think about everything that happened in that conversation with her and then she was like He's not going to be from America. He's going to be from the Western Hemisphere somewhere. He's going to live close to a beach. He's going to be tall, athletic. And she like literally started listing off everything that I would ever want in a guy. And I was like, what is happening? I was like, this is a lie. Like, Goldie, come on, girl. Like, this isn't happening. And so I kind of like took notes during that call and stuck it in my back pocket and then I remember when Sue and I were initially talking before we even met, I was like, where do you live in Australia? And he was like, oh, I live in Sydney. And I was like, are you close to a beach by chance? And she was, and he said, yeah, like 10 or 15 minutes, however close you are to Bondi and Bronte. And I was like, oh my God. And he was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I have to tell you something. <laughs> I was like, I talked to, and I literally flat out was like, I talked to a psychic and yeah. um yeah you sent you me you sent me a photo of what you wrote down like, you wrote it down in like a little page and you sent it to me yes i yeah. literally sent him a photo like i have never even met this man like this is like crazy mm. level he was fine and he received it really well and he was like this is really cool like let's look through this book when we meet like type of thing and i was like you know what everything's aligning it's aligning and that's like a big energy match for you to share all of that and for Stu to be excited and receptive because you know like sometimes guys are like what are you talking about like psychics like astrology like all those things they like make us feel crazy for paying attention to and I feel like it's a commonality with your personality that you're always down like if we're excited about something and not even just like Natalie like we like the collective like mm -hmm. her family her friends like if we're excited then you're excited. It's a luxury to feel like this about your friends' boyfriends. I mean, Natalie knows I don't like anyone. I'm like a very, I am a very like tough crowd. And so you got along with us so well and it feels like very genuine. Like you want to know how everyone is and you want to be involved. So like that was just really a tall tale sign for us. But I'm curious, like for you, Stu, you got out of a relationship not too long before you met Natalie. And mm. when you met her, what made you say like, okay, I'll be in a relationship again? Cause it's like, you kind of were on your heartbreak New York trip. Like you just broke yeah. up. Yeah. That's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. On my heartbreak trip. It was, um, you know, that breakup for me was like very hard, very difficult, but it also, you know, taught me a lot of lessons that I needed to learn. Like, and a lot of sort of, you know, unhealthy behaviors that maybe I was exhibiting and, you know, the other partner was exhibiting and that kind of thing. But, you know, had, you know, a month in between that I really sort of was able to sort of focus on those and I guess make myself a bit of a better person and be more happy with who I am as a person, which I think really helped, you know, by the time that, you know, those first six days were up and we left each other, I was of the mind, like, I can't not be in a relationship with this girl. Like, it was just such, such a, you know, unique kind of breath of fresh air just meeting her that I was so on board to just see how it would go just the fact that she was so you know open and honest with me and just spoke her mind and brought the good energy that she always does you know she's excited about everything which I love I'm kind of like a bit of a like a neutral level person a lot of the time but you know when when I'm with Nat I'm definitely kick it up a gear in terms of like excitement and energy and Honestly, I know it sounds so cheesy and so dumb, but like, you know, after I met her, it, it honestly being with her just made me want to be a better person. I know how cheesy and oh, dorky that sounds, but it's honestly true. I mean, you know, I, I got back to Sydney after I met Nat and we, we would talk about, you know, going to the gym and working out that kind of thing. And just, you know, seeing how hard that Nat had worked in the gym and worked on her body and that kind of thing really pushed me to do the same. So I, I was pretty overweight when I met Nat. So she yeah, got a pretty good deal because I came back and sort of lost about 35 kilos in you know the space of kind of six months, just purely from looking at Nat working hard and just wanting to be better for her, that kind of thing. And other than that, you know, just 
it was just easy being with her. You know, there was no, there were no fights. There was no dis disagreement in terms of, you know, things that we value and that kind of thing. You know, our value system is so similar that it just makes the everyday things so easy. I mean, obviously there are always points that we're going to disagree on, but you know, how we get through long distance, just the fact that all we have together is communication. It helps so much having that such a strong sense of communication to work through those points of difference, which is something that I sort of hadn't had before, just being able to have a disagreement, work through it, and then continue on, you know, as adults. I like the acknowledgement that there are disagreements at times, because I think we've talked so much about the happy stuff, which I think is beautiful. And if anyone who listens to this can tell like how much you guys love each other, but in moments of disagreements, what do you do when you can't see each other? Is it like every disagreement you guys are ready to talk about it? Or do you have to like take a FaceTime break? Like what is, what happens when you disagree? I feel like Stu has taught me a lot about communication and how to handle things in that sense. Cause I've never really been someone who loves conflict or loves to like stand in front of it and talk about it. I would rather like run and shut the door and like keep running. So whenever we have had like small little stunts in the road or whatever, you know, we text about it. And then once we realize it's an issue and acknowledge it, then we instantly FaceTime each other. And we kind of like, don't let either of us hang up without us having a resolution. Mm -hmm. So like kind of like how you like don't go to bed angry. We don't hang up until we're like both on like a level set mind of like how we're going to like go forward and adjust whatever the issue was and keep on trucking along. I think, yeah, fights, fights a lot of the time are only as bad as you make them. It's obviously difficult if it's a big issue, like someone's cheating or there's like an incident that happens with something along those lines. You know, we've obviously not had to deal with anything that major. When it's when it's something that's not the end of the world, you just kind of have to do your best to put yourself in the other shoes. We're both really good at that. So both have pretty good empathy on that part of just being able to see things from the other person's perspective and just learning to look at it from that perspective and then just actually being able to have a conversation about it. This is how I feel. How do you feel? And then the most important thing is sort of sticking to the resolutions that you make in the moment, not just sort of saying whatever needs to be said to make the fight go away. It's, you know, sticking to your guns to the point where change your mind or, you know, win the point. And then I guess sticking with that is probably the most important part, but also the hardest. You guys have some fire communication. So we're fighting, but we're actually talking about it and we're FaceTiming. And my best friend who doesn't do conflict at all is, is learning to do conflict because that's really not your thing, Natalie. She's gotten very good at it. And it's definitely not my thing. And I think that we both equally are stubborn people. I mean, I'm a Taurus. I'm very bullheaded, like-minded. Whenever we do have like a disagreement. I think what Stu said, the most important thing is putting yourself in each other's shoes and each giving um, the other person a moment to explain why they feel what they feel and like kind of how they got there. And then you explaining your side the same way and it just kind of completely like opens your eyes to other ways mm. of looking at things. Yeah, I think, I think the hardest thing, the hardest thing for you initially when we were first dating is sort of putting your emotions into words. I think that was the toughest thing for you that I used to, I remember I've said so many times, you know, when there was something that I could tell something was up, wasn't telling me or something. I just have to be like, use your words <laughs> and just like, but she's, she's great at that now. And then I think for me, one thing that I probably still sometimes struggle with is I have a tendency to say things the wrong way. I'd sort of, I, Nat's very like receptive to the exact wording of my, of my arguments so if i say something you know because i'm a female I'm you literally, literally i hope so <laughs> we hope not sure yet it's been a while but yeah you know if i say something wrong then she'll just be on me straight away like what do you mean what do you mean and i have to just like hold on circle back let me oh, let me run that again. back let me run back. that back and then we get it right so that's that's probably our two biggest you know hurdles that we have to jump over but we're pretty good at it by now but you're teaching each other how to communicate. Like Natalie's learning how she wants to be communicated with. 
and you're helping her learn like how to share her feelings. Mm -hmm. You're learning that she needs things phrased a certain way. Like it sounds, it's all sounding very mature to me. We said earlier on how millennials like aren't really that interested in committing. Like everyone's in this, I shouldn't say everyone, but like most people we know are like in these weird situationships and like they're talking to someone or they're not, or like they're seeing other people, but they're always with this person. Like what makes you interested in being in a relationship in this age? Why is commitment so special to you too? I think for me, it just goes back to, you know, I'm, I don't want to, I'm not, I'm definitely not a serial relationship artist. I mean, I've, I've had my, you know, single phases when I was at uni and that kind of thing. But I think definitely in the case of Nat and wanting to commit to her, it just goes back to what I said about, you know, her making me want to be a better person and that sort of thing. You know, I love who I am when I'm with her and I love, you know, the way she makes me feel, the way she treats me. My love language is, you know, like acts of service and words of affirmation, physical touch, that kind of thing. And those type of things, I think, are definitely more suited to relationships, you know, you know, getting to do nice things for Nat, like, you know, breakfast and in terms of long distance, I mean, if I know she's having a super busy day, you know, send her five bucks on PayPal to get a Starbucks. That for me, I think, is why I love being in a relationship and especially being in a relationship with Nat is just getting to make that person's life a bit better and easier and more happy. And yeah, it's just a bonus that I get that back in return from that, which is why I like it. What a sweet man. And I'm really trying not to cry. Like, okay, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like for me, commitment is definitely something I love to do, not necessarily in a relationship. I definitely had like a six year span when I was like, nope, like need to figure out myself, want to get my career in line. Like I kind of want to get myself on the right path and like keep myself going before I add someone else on my train to like finish life out. And when I did meet Sue, I was in a place where I was like, okay, I love who I am. I love what I do. I want to share it with someone else and I want them to push me to be even better and find ways to motivate me to like push myself um, in ways that I couldn't see or would ever see really. And I think that commitment in this relationship has really brought that and a lot of other things out of me to be a better person. So I only have a couple more questions. You kind of talked about distance and it being hard and not being around each other and how you're communicating, but what has hands down been like the hardest part of distance? Like you can't take it anymore. The gray area, definitely that has been the hardest part of the past year, which I think like Trump's our whole two and a half year, almost three year relationship is the fact that we currently don't have a date where we'll see each other again. And we haven't had a date since March 1st or January 8th, the last time we saw each other of when we would see each other again. Um, That's kind of been something the past year that has been like a dark cloud above us that we've kind of had to like stop thinking of the end date. Like we always used to have like the countdown apps and like we would be like, okay, 75 days until we see each other or even like 19 and we would like be so excited. And now it's like, we have nothing to count down to. We don't have that end date. For me, that's been the hardest part of the past year entirely. Aside from the obvious physical distance struggles completely agree it's just having that moving target of in march when i signed the contract we thought we'd be together in april and then covid hit and then we're like oh okay it'll probably be like a couple of months and then when it got to june i was like okay sweet yep i should be there for like maybe august september got to that time i was like all right at least i'll be there for thanksgiving that went and it's like okay not there for thanksgiving but i'll definitely be there for christmas it'll be fine and it's like nope still not there so now the big date, I will be there for Nat's sister Ashley's and Zach's wedding. That has to happen. I will bloody get in a boat and row my way there if I have to. But yeah, just having having that moving target it has just been so so difficult just on the relationship level, but just also on a personal level. It's so so demoralizing. I mean, me personally, I'm very I like to think I'm a very, you know, motivated and driven person, but it's it's so difficult to be like that when you don't have a 
plan. You know, I I can't make a plan because I don't know anything of where my life's going to be. You know, I ended up basically the entirety of 2020 working from home, which I absolutely detested more than anything. It is the worst thing ever. Just sitting in my home office in a small country town by myself every single day, logging on at p.m., going to bed, doing it all over again, not leaving the house is horrible. So I think that just personal struggle mixed in with Nat's gray area has been yeah really really difficult hopefully not much longer of that <laughs> yeah hopefully not much longer i hope i see you at ashley's wedding in february and we're celebrating yeah. together because we have been doing the countdown with her and it's obviously not as intense because we're not in the relationship but we thought christmas too and yeah. now we're like valentine's day <laughs> like perhaps we'll see you then <laughs> what's your advice for people finding a love like yours we could probably write a book on this with how much we talk about it. I mean, obviously, any advice that I give now is obviously kind of biased just because we are so lucky that we, you know, managed to find each other and are so in love. I guess the only advice I can give is sort of based off what we did, which has worked for us, I'm not saying it's going to work for everyone. But I mean, do you want advice specifically on, you know, finding love on dating apps or just in general? I mean, I say give us some advice on finding love on dating apps because so many of our friends are on dating apps and they are mm. not finding what you all are finding. Actually, Amanda is on a dating app date tonight and we will be circling back with her yeah. to see how that went. But <laughs> sampling the Milwaukee crowd, but so many of our friends go on app dates. I mean, Natalie knows if I have an app, it's getting deleted the next day. Like step one for Shelby, keep the apps longer than an hour but for everyone else who's like going on these dates like what are the tips okay the first most important thing is know what your intentions are if you're on the dating app to just for a hookup market yourself that way that you seem like someone that someone would want to just hook up with and not form a meaningful relationship with if your intention is to actually find someone to be in a relationship with then it's way more important to go into more detail in your bio make sure you pick, you know, photos that actually show off who you are instead of, you know, just making yourself look hot and being like, I'm six foot two here for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> going with the, going with the example of wanting to date someone off a dating app. I think your bio is probably your most, you know, powerful weapon. You know, I think back to what I said, you want as few surprises as possible. It's okay to put your height in the bio, right? Even if you are short, you're better off getting it out of the way early because if you end up meeting with someone and you're five foot two and they're like, oh, I thought you were six foot and you're five foot two, it's just a surprise that you don't have to deal with, right? And besides, you don't want to date someone that cares about what height you are if they don't know that already, if that makes sense. If they know you're five foot two going on a date with you, they're going on a date with you anyway, so it's not an issue. And I think that would then help you remove some of that anxiety that would come with that. Put your heart in the bio put what you do for a job or if you're studying or, you know, if you're just working on a passion project or something like that, put something about you that you spend time on, uh, I think is important. Don't do like cheesy overdone lines that, you know, you've seen times already swiping through the app. And I think with photos, just pick nice photos. Don't put group photos. Don't put photos with, you know, fish or, you know, gym photos, that kind of thing. I know that's a big, a big kill point for a lot of girls. Pick three, pick three really good photos of yourself with good lighting, good angles, not group photos. And that's like a great start for the, for your profile. Then when it comes to actually matching with girls, I think Nat also abides by this rule or used to abide by the rule of just less more. I think, you know, there's no point just doom swiping forever. Just yes, 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 yes. Because again, if you're looking for a hookup, go for it. Swipe until your finger falls off. But if you're actually looking to date someone, I think it's important that you really take into consideration the people that you're swiping yes on. You know, I would, when I was on the apps back in the day and how I ended up getting that was I would sort of swipe only yes on the people that I was like, I actually would love to meet up with you and like get a coffee with you or something. And that was, you know, 
we'll get into what Nat's profile was later because I have some points on that. Um, <laughs> but, We're going to get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that. But yeah, look, just, just only swipe on people that you're like, okay, I would actually be interested in you. And then to avoid, you know, the dating app burnout of just having like 100 matches and like 90 message, just swipe until you get three or four matches, right? And then message all of them. So message all of them. Obviously, it's different because on Bumble, girls have to message first. So there's, that's sort of out of your control. But yeah, wait for the message. And then are out of those four, maybe two will message you. And then out of those two, maybe one will actually, you know, continue the chat. So with that one person, I guess the next piece of advice would be don't burn out on the app. So what I mean by that is your intention should be to meet up with the person, right? Your intention should be, let's get coffee, let's get a drink, something along those lines. So you don't want to get out, you know, all your information out on the app, because then when you get on the date, you're not going to have anything to talk about. Keep it light, keep it casual. Obviously for girls, it's important that they chat to a guy sort of comfortable enough and know enough about the guy to sort of be like, okay, I'm comfortable to actually meet up with you. Because I can imagine that would be kind of daunting. But I mean, other than that, it's just be yourself. Don't lie. Be very upfront with what you want. Don't be afraid to, you know, be honest with the other person. I think a lot of the times, you know, people our age are kind of scared of being honest and giving away too much about themselves, thinking that it might scare the other person off. But realistically, if it does scare the other person off, then that's not the person for you kind of thing. Relationships are hard and it's very difficult to find someone that's like truly perfect for you. But I think as long as you don't settle for anything less than perfect, then you'll always be happy. And I know that was very long and I'm sorry. That's some fire advice though. <laughs> We got pictures, we got bios, we got not swiping too much. Actionable things to do. I feel like knowing um, and kind of showing your intentions and knowing them, kind of like what Sue touched on, there's so many dating apps out there. We all know what they mean. Each one has like a totally different secret hidden agenda behind what it actually means. So hone in on one app. Don't have multiple. There's no sense in spreading yourself too thin, like keep your energy in one place, have your intentions on your profile. You know, I started out when I first moved to the city, like showing all my cards on the profile, you know, you gotta, gotta set some traps in order to catch some fish. So, um, definitely set the traps. And then kind of before I met Stu, I was like, you know what, like, not about this life anymore. I kind of want to hone in, actually be in a serious relationship. So I kind of pulled back, like Sue said, only had three photos, like three solid photos, like a full body, not in a swimsuit, like a selfie. And then maybe like one serious photo, or if I was smiling or not smiling in the previous photo, just kind of like, (laughs) yeah, whatever. Just keeping it kosher, but also like leaving a bit of mystery, I feel like is really important. And then I also believe once you match with someone and you talk for a bit and you feel like you want to go on a date with them, doing a thorough stock, um, I am a total believer in a little stock. So we got to stock Google, we got to check Snapchat, we got to get them to send a video. I made Stu literally send me a video of him talking, A, because I wanted to hear the accent, but B, because I was like, okay, I have to see if this guy is actually real. So had him do that, check the Instagram, check the tagged photos. We've all seen Catfish. I feel like those are my biggest Yeah, just just to push back there. on that, you made me send a video of me talking, but when I asked for one back, you wouldn't send me one. You wouldn't send me one. I, I was... Well, on even up till our first date after speaking for almost a week, I was like only 80% sure that I wasn't getting catfish. There was still like 20% of me that I was like, mm, is this a real person? That's the mystery. Yeah, the mystery. You through there. But I mean, on that as well, obviously it's COVID time. So I know a lot of people now are doing, you know, FaceTime first dates. And that's, I think that's an awesome idea. And I think that's something that should probably and will probably continue it it just means that you know that they are a real person and they 
can have a chat and are not super awkward and that kind of thing, which I think is a good tool that people can now use as well. And the FaceTime date is a good way to save your time. So like if you meet up with a dude and he's a dud, you've like wasted a whole afternoon. Like you got ready, you have a fire fit on and he's terrible. Um, if you FaceTime date, it's like, you're terrible, but we only spent like 20 minutes together virtually and like, bye. I never have to yeah. see you again. I also loved your advice about not just like, like sharing it all in the app. Natalie, since you guys met on Bumble, you had to message Stu first. What did your first message say? <laughs> Get ready. It's it's oh, crazy. Gonna... She, she blew it out of the water. She blew it out of the water. Okay. Yeah, blew it out of the water. Um, so I believe my first message to Stu was, hey there, exclamation point. Massive. <laughs> really? I, I remember just opening the app, got a match, saw the message, and I just, I was speechless. I was like, how, how can someone come up with something so profound and so eloquent? Hey there. Yeah, but it was straight to the point, and I wasn't trying hard, and I can't afford it. Well, so, when you look like Natalie, you can you can hit up people with the hey so, there, because then he saw the photos, and he was like, hey there. Exactly. That is that is 100%. <laughs> I said that to her face. I said, you are lucky. You are so attractive, because if I got that message off anyone else, I would have been like, nope, <laughs> just boring. <laughs> See you later. So Unmatched. I'm, Pretty much. So that is a that is a good example of maybe put a little bit more thought into your first message, ladies. It doesn't have to be, you know, Shakespearean work. But as I said, I she her photos were absolutely gorgeous. So there was no way I wasn't going to, you know, message back from that. And I'm very, very grateful that I did. As soon as we started actually talking, she proved straight she was anything but boring. I mean, you know, we texted you know on the app for we definitely didn't listen to my advice of getting the burnout on the app but i think it's a bit different as well you know because i'm from a different country we had so 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 much to talk about you know even to this day we're still finding you know little cultural differences or things that we say differently that mean different things that we still you know are learning about each other so you can imagine at the start there was just everything you know every second word that i said was what's that mean what does that mean so the the hey there has got us two and a half years down the track and very grateful for that message and i know that hates me for saying that hey there is not your strongest work but um i know the photos are very strong material mm. instead of hey there what's your advice Stu, on a good opening on bumble like do the jokes work should you use one of the prompts like how do you slide into the dms does bumble have prompts now yeah, yeah. It's upgraded since you guys. Look, yeah, I, obviously the game has changed in the last two and a half years, so I'm a bit out of practice. But look, I think if if you can find something on their profile to engage with initially, I think it's so much easier for both parties. I mean, and that just circles back to, you know, my advice on creating your profile is actually put details about yourself that could be interesting to another person to then talk about initially to get the conversation going. Nat probably could have said something about me being Australian, maybe as a as an opener. But look, yeah, just anything anything that you can grasp onto initially to get a conversation going, I think is great. You know, ask a question, jokes, sure. Like I think I think jokes lead more towards the you know looking for a hookup kind of vibe, and all those sort of you know cliche openers and that kind of thing. But something to engage with the profile is best. What do you think, Nat? Before Hey There, I definitely was in the question game starting off the bat, um, just to not stop on the Hey There. I'm pretty sure, I think I got to the Hey There once I got um, kind of exhausted with the whole swiping. Initially, love opening with a question. Um, when LeBron was at the Cavs, I would say LeBron or Kobe, and that's how we would carry the conversation. I also know... Amanda used to do the Dorito question. She still might do it. Or she opens with, what's your favorite Dorito flavor, nacho cheese, or Cool Ranch? <laughs> and it's, kind of, it's fun, and it gets the conversation going. And tie it into yourself, tie it into the profile. I feel like that's best. I love that. Well, thank you, you two. I feel like I've learned so much about love, and maybe you'll convince me to re-download Bumble. 
you know, we'll see. We can we can coach I you. Just so. screenshot. We'll coach you. Let's, let's yeah. get after it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Actually, I don't know if we're doing that. Maybe we'll just celebrate you two, and we'll just we'll worry about me later. Yeah, of thanks for having on. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I would also love your feedback. If you enjoyed the episode or have a comment for me, please leave me a review on the Apple Podcast app. See you next week.